0: this is a diet of Brussels ah uh, gosh uh, I note that last week I complained that I'd already used my uh, expletives and uh, titles for episodes so this week I guess we have to stick with uh, extensions or end games um, the pace of politics these days is scarcely believable just in the last week since uh, I recorded my previous episode, an awful lot has happened. Some of it not so surprising, others, other parts of it a lot more uh, shocking and uh, confusing. So what I want to try and do in this episode is think a little bit about where we are and uh, more pertinently where we might go. So This is uh, Sunday morning, Uh, it's the 24th, Uh, one of the few things that we know for sure is that next Friday, uh, the 29th of March, is not going to be the day that the UK leaves the EU. Uh, As of uh, Friday lunchtime, the UK had agreed with the proposal of uh, the European Council the night before. Uh, to extend that deadline. So it means that all the people I talked to who would booked holidays and were coming back next weekend uh, now won't uh, have my raised eyebrow that they would book such a thing. Uh, and now we can all start wondering about when actually the new date might be. And I can't give you the date uh, as it stands. Um, I don't really want to get into the constitutional questions that come from the Speaker's decision on Monday not to allow the government to bring back the same motion for Meaningful Vote 3 uh, because that actually ended up being not so surprising and in any case I think the government was possibly glad that it didn't have to uh, suffer another heavy feat just ahead of the European Council. What I do want to focus on instead is the European level of this, because the uh, long discussions on Thursday were both surprising and a little bit confused, and I think tell us some important things about where this is going. Uh, And I think this is an element that's really uh, under-considered in the UK debate, where, understandably, perhaps the focus is on the position of Theresa May, the longevity of this current government and the absolute lack of clarity about what's going to happen in the next uh, week or so. Now, when we talked last week, the the position seemed to be that the EU was uh, willing to have a discussion about extension. But that uh, there was not a lot of patience uh, and the UK really needs to make clear what it was going to do uh, as soon as possible. Now, in the event, what happened was that it was only on uh, Wednesday afternoon, so barely 24 hours before the European Council was due to meet to discuss this issue, that Theresa May actually sent a letter to uh, Donald Tusk requesting an extension to the 30th of June. And if the timing wasn't a bad enough uh, issue, her sole justification for uh, this extension was that everybody was uh, sick and tired of it all and just wants this to move on. And so she was going to move uh, a meaningful vote again and she would get that passed. No discussion about how or why uh, she would be able to overturn the uh, 149 vote uh loss that she had suffered uh the week before just a sort of uh phatic claim that uh surely uh, she would be able to succeed where she had failed so miserably previously now it's perhaps a mark of the level of preparedness that the eu had that uh, very quickly donald tusk came back on the wednesday and said the eu was only going to offer uh, a short extension if there was uh a plan. And this was really not uh, cutting it in terms of the uh, kinds of debates that there were going to be. But I think the expectation was, and certainly on my part, uh, and what I was given to understand from talking with various people, was that simply the European Council wouldn't be in a position to make a decision on uh, Thursday, because they had no time. There hadn't been the pre-discussions between uh, national... Uh, representatives, the Sherpas to uh, the European Council. There wasn't uh, anything like a consensus view in among the 27 and uh, the, the thought was that perhaps it might require A note of uh, the uk's position as it was received and then leaving it over the weekend as uh, national capitals tried to work out what they wanted have discussions with each other and then either coming back next week with uh, a special meeting or alternatively some kind of written procedure now that didn't happen and instead of the relatively brief discussion that had been scheduled on the thursday you ended up with a very long session indeed uh, running through towards midnight where the 27 uh, spent an awful lot of time thrashing out a compromise. Now, they did that on the back of a long Q&A session with Theresa May, who was allowed to present uh, where the government was, uh, and then just lots of queries to her. Now, uh, the consensus view on that uh, Q&A was that whilst it was great that she took the time to try and talk through different things, in practice all she demonstrated was that she didn't have a plan that she could advance and sell to the 27. So uh, the comment seemed to be that she'd gone from... uh, 10% chance of passing at the beginning of that to a 5% uh, chance of passing uh, a meaningful vote three in the calculation of uh, Emmanuel Macron who is uh, admittedly not the greatest supporter of Theresa May and what she's doing and how she's doing it but still I think that probably caught the general mood. Now having done all that and sent Theresa May off to have dinner by herself They then spent many, many hours uh, discussing different options. And really, the the tensions here are uh, quite uh, clear. On the one hand, the EU doesn't want to be responsible for a no-deal Brexit. Uh, The clear possibility that the UK could leave without a deal on the 29th was very much in people's minds and you had uh, a whole group of uh, states led by those countries with the clearest uh, economic uh, costs of a no deal uh, to be borne. So people like the Irish, the Dutch, the Belgians who were very insistent that no deal really had to be avoided. Uh, not necessarily at any cost, but we had to make absolutely certain that there was not uh, uh, the EU driving a no-deal, so pushing for an extension. And then against that, you have the French particularly, but also a couple of other countries who really didn't want to get into the extension game because they couldn't see how the UK could uh, untangle itself from its uh, blocked position. Now, uh, I think those two things butt up against each other, and you find them both in the in the Commission's thinking as well, that uh, the UK looks exceedingly blocked, uh, an extension doesn't uh, by itself solve anything, uh, and I think real concern that a short extension was just time for nothing, especially... Uh, in light of the letter that uh, the European Council had received, which didn't suggest that there was anything like uh, a plan in number 10. By the same token, uh, there is a lack of option on the table that really the only choices are accepting the withdrawal agreement, leaving without a deal, or something changing quite markedly in British political culture to allow... Uh, also make an extension uh, a meaningful uh, kind of option and clearly uh, part of that would be revocation which uh, I think some still cling on to as a thought of a possible action uh, even though there's nothing really to suggest that there is anything like a shift in uh, public opinion or even uh, in the House of Commons. Now the debates that went on through thursday went through multiple drafts uh many of which were leaked uh during the day but in the end the 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 solution that was found was not that uh complicated uh not that surprising and yet uh it took quite a long time to get to uh and it's basically this firstly the eu Helps Theresa May by acknowledging that the statements that were released last week on the 11th of March are uh, formally approved. So they actually the so the joint uh, uh, statement, the joint instrument uh, that were discussed between the E between the Commission and the UK. Uh, to try and help with Meaningful Vote 2, they are now formally part of the package. So in substantive terms actually you have a different package that will be considered uh, when it comes to a Meaningful Vote 3. So in terms of giving a helping hand, that is, is part of what it is. Now that's not so surprising. What the the EU has tried to do though is build an architecture for an extension that is both flexible and protective of EU interests. So the starting point is that the EU uh, says that it will agree an extension until the 22nd of May. Now that's the day before the UK would be scheduled normally to hold European elections. So uh, the intention here is that uh, there's no extension agreed at this point goes past the European elections and really that was a key element for uh, a lot of people around the table in the European Council, that any uh, suggestion that the new European Parliament, even though it wouldn't be sitting until uh, the 2nd of July, should be properly constituted that there wouldn't be any scope for legal challenge uh, about the decisions it might reach because of its composition, uh, with or without the UK in it, So, trimming back uh, the 30th of uh, June deadline uh, that Theresa May has suggested, but that 22nd of April deadline comes with a condition, which is that the House of Commons has to approve the withdrawal agreement uh, this coming week, so by the 29th of March. If Commons doesn't agree The meaningful uh, vote by then. The extension only will run until the 12th of April, so another uh, fortnight uh, past that, with uh, the UK then being required to present uh, a way forward. So that can be either saying it's going to go for a no deal or that it comes with a plan. Now the significance of the 12th of April is that that is the last date by which uh, the UK uh, can pass uh, the statutory instrument needed to implement uh, the uh, necessary procedures for holding European elections uh, on the 23rd of March. So in essence, what uh, the EU is saying here is that either way, it, uh, it, it covers itself on the European elections, that uh, the UK can, can present uh, an, a set of alternatives, uh, but uh, as part of demonstrating its uh, commitments to a, a plan for a longer extension, it will have had to have put in uh, place the necessary uh, processes for holding European elections, which has been the major barrier to this process. Now, all of this is uh, a rather convoluted uh, way of saying that the EU is uh, concerned uh, in all of this uh, about its interests. And I think for me one of the striking uh, aspects of Thursday's uh, debate was that it took place at all, that there could have been a collective throwing up of hands or walking away, uh, which would have uh, been uh, a prelude to a no deal. And a lot of talk uh, during the past week about how the EU is ready for no deal, that it's as prepared as it can be. Uh, various uh, reports from uh, European uh, countries saying that uh, businesses will basically, they prefer a no deal on the 29th of March rather than an uncertain extension. Now, the reason for that is that many of them have taken production holidays, they've stockpiled, they've booked space, uh, and they've planned for the 29th of March for, well, two years. Um, And to be told that now it's shunted back actually causes a whole load of complication uh, for those schedules in a way that is not easily remedied. As we see from the plan that we've got now, uh, we have... uh, It's been clear that there's been an uncertainty about long or short extensions and quite what the outcome might be. So uh, at the end of this uh, decision, which as I say was accepted by the UK on Friday, businesses now don't know whether no deal Brexit might happen on the 12th of April, which is entirely possible. Or uh, if there is then uh, a move into the transition period on the 22nd of May, which would be the second possibility. Or if we are going to find out on the 12th of April or by the 12th of April that there is uh, something else going to happen, which may not in of itself be certain in its path. Now, even the the 22nd of of May date is problematic that uh, if the EU sees that parliament passes meaningful vote three it doesn't actually guarantee that uh, this is a smooth process for the UK which needs to implement uh, its provisions into UK law if it is to be truly effective uh, from the EU's uh, perspective. And as we know from previous uh, ratification debates, Maastricht, uh, Lisbon, Accession back in seventy-three. Uh, all of those things, uh, the kind of uh, the indicative vote or the headline vote might have been passed with uh, quite a majority, uh, but all the subsequent votes were very, very difficult indeed. And we are not likely to see the meaningful vote passed by a large majority uh, in this particular case. So there has to be an assumption that this. Uh, implementation bill is going to be really fraught. And quite what happens if the EU is confronted with a UK that is stuck in uh, approving the implementation bill uh, by the 22nd, uh, how it deals with that uh, is really not clear. And uh, I think that there is uh, a degree of uncertainty around that. Now, in the EU's uh, defence on that point, I think there is not a great deal of confidence at all that Meaningful Vote 3 this coming week, uh, if it happens, uh, because the government has indicated it might not bring the vote if it thinks it will lose, uh, which at the moment seems to be the situation, that then uh, that's not Route 1. The 22nd of May doesn't look like the date on which the UK is going to leave either. So the question is going to be, can the UK find a way through uh, by the uh, 12th of April in order to be able to present a plan uh, and a strategy for uh, the next stages. Now one of the most important parts of the conclusions of the European Council is paragraph four which reminds the UK or tells the UK that the withdrawal agreement will not be reopened. whilst uh lots of other things can happen there's discussion possible on the political declaration and all the rest the uk can make statements of whatever it likes it has to be compatible with the letter and the spirit of the withdrawal agreement to use uh, the phrasing of the conclusions now that matters because what the eu certainly doesn't want an extension to be for is a wholesale Uh, renegotiation or even an attempt to renegotiate uh, the backstop uh, or indeed any other part of the withdrawal agreement because that is uh, now in effect a red line uh, amongst them that the deal is the deal. Now the challenge here really for the UK and the EU is that as far as the EU is concerned any future relationship goes through the withdrawal agreement. So if you want a permanent customs arrangement, if you want customs union 2.0, Norway, Switzerland, Canada, uh, anything else, you still have to go through leaving the EU, which means you have to address your liabilities, which means you have to support the withdrawal agreement. So the future relationship has the sine qua non of the withdrawal agreement. And for the EU, this has been a message that they've tried to uh, repeat in the UK without any great success. And strangely, it's a a message that the British government has really not um, made much of uh, in its efforts to try and uh, convince Parliament uh, that its withdrawal agreement is the way forward. But that is uh, the position that the EU have. It needs to protect its interests in that respect. And I think importantly, what this this highlights is that the withdrawal agreement remains the best vehicle by far for the EU to secure those interests uh, in relation to withdrawal. Now, we know that in the event of a no deal, the EU's first priority well, the first priority will be life-critical systems, so medicines, food, uh, things like that. But that will be a very short list of uh, processes and agreements it will deal with the UK. Next on the list will be trying to secure all of the things that it failed to secure in the withdrawal agreement. So financial liabilities, protection of citizens' rights, and an arrangement on the backstop. So these issues won't go away. But it knows that its best chance of securing UK agreement, which it already has with the executive, which has signed up to this withdrawal agreement, is uh, the text that is under consideration right now. And this, I think, forms part of the calculation for the EU 27 that they need to feel that uh, they have covered uh, their backs on this stage before we get onto the much more complicated part. Of the process which is the future relationship. So the, the EU spent as long as it did on Thursday on this issue and left a whole delegation of Chinese uh, representatives hanging around uh, Brussels uh, all evening really reflects the extent to which, whilst the EU might uh, say that this is not the priority issue, it really doesn't want to get into a position where it uh, is exposed too badly to uh, negative outcomes. Now, this is going to become, I think, uh, a continuing part of what happens that the UK has to work through uh, its uh, processes, there needs to be a decision in the next day or two, about indicative votes, about the extent to which Parliament is willing and or able to uh, take charge of the process in this, whether there are majorities for anything else. All of those things happen within the shadow of this extension. And importantly here, there is a test that doesn't have any uh, criteria at this stage, which is, is uh, the way forward uh, that the UK has to present by the 12th of April, uh, what does that need to, to include? And the ambiguity of the European Council uh, statement on this, I think, really reflects the ambiguity of where the EU is. Is it enough to offer warm words? No, clearly not. So part of that will be uh, demonstrating uh, uh, an acceptance about the need to hold European elections, even if that's only for a short period of time. But also, really, I think the EU wants to make sure that uh, there is something that looks more credible than the uh, hopes uh, that uh, the current inhabitants of Number 10 is offering to them. Now, one of the problems here is that removing Theresa May from number 10 is politically possible, and you're hearing a lot of uh, discussion about that this weekend. But it's really very easy for uh, Theresa May to remain in office past the 12th of April, uh, and in effect, leaving uh, MPs uh, no real option. Now, the reason for that is the Fixed-Term Parliaments Act, Where you can call a motion of no confidence in the Prime Minister, which would be one obvious way of trying to, of the government, which would be an obvious way of removing Theresa May, because you could couch it in terms that made it clear that she was the problem rather than the government uh, per se. And that would be enough, perhaps, to get enough Tory rebels to uh, vote against their continued presence in government, but indicating that they would then change back to supporting a new government under a new Prime Minister. However, uh, the way that it works is that you can call a motion of no confidence, but then you have two weeks in which the government can try, or a new governing coalition can try to present uh, a new Uh, formation for approval and only then if you uh, don't get that in the two-week period do you move to a general election. Now two weeks is too soon really for uh, the 12th of April so uh, we have here uh, an an impasse in the the British system that limits what uh, parliamentarians uh, can do Uh, And uh, again, the general souring of relations between Number 10 and uh, the House of Commons, not least because of Theresa May's statement on Wednesday night, where she basically blamed them for uh, all the delays rather than uh, her, who had nothing to do uh, with it, really uh, makes it hard to know quite how this goes. So one of the things that is going to be useful to uh, consider in this is what happens in the coming weeks on the European side in terms of signalling about what kind of plan they need to see coming from the UK. To a large extent, it may well be that there is uh, silence uh, just because they need to see what comes out of the British debate, but at some point somebody's going to say something about preferred outcomes or indeed the range of processes that might be followed. All of this, though, I think needs to be put in the context of an end game. The the point about not reopening the withdrawal agreement is that this is not really about a negotiation. This is about the UK trying to find a decision about whether it's approving the withdrawal agreement or not. At the moment, uh, I really don't know where that leads to, whether that is acceptance, uh, rejection, and no-deal exit. Uh, Revocation, I think, still looks uh, not really on the cards. But uh, for all of the uh, avoidance of a no-deal exit on the 29th of March, uh, we still don't actually really have any clarity on this. The challenge will be in the next two weeks is whether more clarity can be forthcoming. And this really is the heart of the EU's uh, dilemma about the situation. The situation is bad uh, and it doesn't actually look as though it has an easy way of resolving itself. So, lots to think about, as always, uh, and we'll try and make sense of it as we go through and when we get some uh, sense from Parliament about what they're going to do next. Until then, have a good weekend and we'll talk again soon.